0: Hello everyone, welcome to Ubi Est Mia, my name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with Meredith Ketchell. Meredith is a fantastic stand-up comic and illustrator and designer and author in Chicago, Illinois. This podcast tends to be with people that used to live in Chicago. I wanted to talk with Meredith because she plans to never leave Chicago, so I wanted to find out what that is all about. Without further ado, here's Meredith Ketchell.
1: It's it's funny because like my boyfriend, he's from the south, so like he fucking hates the winter here, which is understandable. Um, but you know, we discuss lightly the idea of moving, uh, which every time like I just start to like well up and like get very emotional, just like I don't know, about him. I don't know if I can, like I don't know if I can be that far away from the bean, you know. Oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, but, I mean, we've discussed, like, New Orleans.
0: Maybe. Have you been to New Orleans?
1: I have not. I heard it's very dirty.
0: Um, it's sort of dirty, but it's not really that much dirtier than Chicago.
1: Okay, well, that I can deal with. We just went to Memphis. I was not very impressed. No, Memphis is not. Memphis is cool. Uh, I say cool, weird, but it's not that bad. Yeah, it's fine. It just looks like a little dilapidated college town. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I was expecting, like, Old Southern charm. Like. Have you
0: been to Nashville?
1: No. You might like, Nashville's a little cleaner. I get invited to a lot of um, bachelorette weekends there. I'm always just like, oh, that sounds so fun, but I can't make it. Because <laughs> they're That's always horrible. like, yeah, they're, the invitations are always on like a boot, like shaped card. Oh, I get it. It's all girls that I grew up with, though, which I don't really understand the appeal of like country living to somebody who grew up. Outside of Chicago we grew up in Plainfield, that's correct. yeah, I grew up in Plainfield. So
0: Plainfield to me just sounds exactly what the word is.
1: <laughs> yeah it's pretty much yeah it's a big plain field and then they built subdivisions on it and that's it.
0: Nashville but, uh, and Memphis are not like that.
1: no, no, not at all. no and like the thing is is I, like I like traveling. Like, I went to New York last year. And that was that was fun. I went to Portland this year to visit my friend. That was neat, but it's still every time I'm just like, "Fuck, I can't wait to be home." But like, why? Why, why does? Why is there a need there? Why do you want to
0: be back home so bad? Why can't you just go make a new home somewhere? And I'm saying that like it's so easy to do, but
1: yeah, why- it's not. Um, there's, I mean, there's something just like very. Uh, it's like crawling into bed at the end of the night. You don't want to sleep on somebody else's couch. You want to sleep in your own bed and have your own comforts and your own creature things like know where the grocery store is and what time it closes and know how to like escape like how often do you think of escaping of escaping like when I'm someplace else or when I'm here you tell me um when I am someplace else it's probably right like every couple of hours I think about going home and just like how nice it would be to be going home right now
0: so I it's just, less of a thing of, like, a terrorist threat. It's more of a, like, oh, I just don't want to be here.
1: Yeah. Like, it's, it's fine. What I've realized is that, like, every other major city, like, it, it's pretty much the same across the board. Like, you're always going to have, like, one cool sushi place and a super cool coffee shop. And, like, I can find that everywhere. But what I have now is that I know where everything is and I'm comfortable with all of it.
0: So if you just had a better iPhone situation with a not scratch screen and a completely updated Google maps, you'd be fine no matter where.
1: Exactly. But you
0: do have that.
1: I do have that, but okay. So then you have like, uh, I really like just being close and near to people that I know. And that really like, if if it's only like a couple people in a city and I've got to like travel and they don't know each other and like, you know, you work
0: in a you work in two different worlds that make you meet other people. You don't work in an office job. You're a graphic designer. You're an artist. You're an illustrator. Mm-hmm. That makes you meet new clients all the time. Is that correct?
1: That uh, is correct. Yeah. The and then part. you
0: also do stand up, and you if you're actually a stand up, you have to go on stage. That's sort of the definition, and inha- inevitably you meet new people, both fellow performers and audience members that might enjoy who you are. Yeah. So in, uh, you have two of the easiest jobs to meet new people.
1: That is, yeah,
0: absolutely. That's so why would you never leave Chicago?
1: Uh, I don't know. No, like, I, like, it's so, it's so many things. Like, I've been here forever. I feel like it's ingrained in my personality. Like, I am a Chicagoan. I, you know, it, it's fine. I eat fucking ketchup on my hot dogs and that type of asshole. But, um... <laughs> like it, it would feel sort of like I was a phony if I moved myself.
0: You'd feel like a phony if you just didn't live within a certain radius of the Sears Tower.
1: Yeah, where yeah, <laughs> specifically. I love the Willis Tower. Try to get there every week. I think Chicago gets this weird rap. Like, if you asked a, like a lifelong New Yorker, just like why do you leave you leave New York, they're like, "Cause I love New York." And you're like, "Oh, okay." Like you can't. Chicago doesn't have that thing, but it does have that thing for me where I'm just like, but I would feel, cause I don't need to go to another city to like better myself. I'm not living to be a standup. So I don't have to go to New York or LA. I don't want to be on TV. Like it's just something really fun for me to do. And it's like a community that I love and I can get clients literally anywhere online. So why would I pack up and pay rent that's higher in a neighborhood I might not like or know?
0: So what neighborhood are you in? I'm in Avondale. I've never heard anyone, like, love Avondale that much.
1: I mean, I'm just over the corner of Logan Square. I'm, like, right at Diversity and Kedzie. But so you say
0: I'm, Avondale just so you, you're not one of those people that say Logan Square.
1: Yeah, I'm on the, the tipping end of a new gentrification, and I'm so proud to be that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but if I'm looking at your apartment on Craigslist, you're definitely, like, Northwest Logan Square.
1: Uh, no, I'm South Avondale. That was how it was marketed when I found it.
0: Really? Things have changed.
1: I know. Well, I think they were looking for, like, more laid-back, older people. I think that was the marketing attempt. And that's exactly what my upstairs neighbors are, and it's exactly what we are. Since you said
0: older, uh, may we talk about your age? Is that okay?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm 30.
0: Okay. I feel like if my now wife didn't move to DC, I would have been in your position three years. I wasn't, I would have been in your position three years ago. I'm 33 and I never thought I was going to leave that city. Right? Yeah. But I'm kind of glad I did.
1: Okay. That's what I wanted to hear. Like that's, I mean, everyone I know that's moved is like super happy. And like, they have all these new experiences and they learn something new and like meet so many different types of people. And that's awesome. But like, Oh, it's just so daunting.
0: Um, well, I moved to a place that I didn't really want to go to. That's the difference.
1: Yeah, so. Okay, like, explain. You're making
0: a face like you don't understand how that works.
1: I don't understand why you would enjoy it if it was a place that you didn't want to move.
0: Well, because I didn't know I wanted to be here. And I still don't necessarily want to be here. I just want to be where she is. Right. And I feel like I can make that work in any city. And city is the key word in that sentence.
1: Oh, yeah, no. Can you imagine moving to, like, Joliet?
0: i You know... Uh, no, <laughs> no. No. Um, so, did you ever think about living in Plainfield?
1: Like, after I moved? Yeah. Oh, my God, no.
0: It's no. Not, it's not that far.
1: No, it's not that far. Um, And, like, I have girlfriends that I went to high school with that, after college, they moved back. And, like, they're, like, teachers and nurses out there. I had girls that moved to the city... And then moved back to Plainfield. They were just like, it's just too much. But they never went west of the highway. Like They they had no idea what they were missing. They were just reliving college in Wrigleyville. And it's just like, okay, yeah, I guess I would move back to Plainfield, too, if that's what I was doing. Um, You went to
0: school at the Art Institute. Yes, I did. Um, I think the Art Institute is probably the one school in Chicago that has the most whatever real Chicago experience there is. Because, like, yes, you have a downtown campus. But everyone I knew that went to the art Institute did not spend four years living downtown in dorms.
1: No. Yeah, that's
0: true. It sort of made everyone branch out and it's not like a small campus, like segregated in high park, nor is it in Rogers park where it's super. uh,
1: uh, No, it's right there. It is the middle of downtown. So I lived in Pilsen for most of it. Uh, and then I've lived in Wrigleyville first and then Pilsen, uh, I know I did the, I did the official white girl move. Like my, when I was 19, I was like, Oh, Lincoln Park sounds really good. (laughs) It's too expensive. Wrigleyville it is. Um, horrible, horrible.
0: I thought it was, I thought you were going to go with, I did the typical white person college thing and go, I'm not spending any more money. I'm going to go gentrify Pilsen.
1: Uh, and then, yep, that is exactly what we did. Well, I, I didn't want to live in Pilsen. My roommate at the time was just like, it's going to be a super fast commute and I'm in the fashion department. I need to be there literally constantly. And I was like, fine. We're a block from the pink line and we paid like 300 a month, 250 a month, something like that. And it was just like, yeah, why wouldn't we live here for three years? Uh, probably all the gunshots and the neighbor next door who's constantly yelling at us to buy more crack. It's just like, we that
0: assumes that you had already bought some crack.
1: Uh, I believe uh, a house guest bought some sort of drug from him. And cool. then he assumed for the next three years that that was us. It, it's uh, easier it was...
0: to maintain a customer than to find a new customer.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cruise. That's just good, Cruise. solid business. He was very mean.
0: Are you glad you went to the Art Institute?
1: Mm. Uh, yes and no. Like... Is no I, just because of the bill? Um, the bill is actually yeah, I was pretty bad. <laughs> but um no, it wasn't because of the bill. It was because like, I felt like I didn't really fit in there because I am kinda like bubbly and happy and like, hey, what's up guys? Here's a funny little illustration and then just like I cracked an egg inside of my butt and then I did a performance. And you're just like, man, I don't I'm not going to make friends here. I think I have like three friends from college and I'm, I'm a pretty friendly person. I'm, I'm easy to get along with. So, and like, it was a lot of like conceptual art and I just kind of wanted to do traditional illustrations when I was in school.
0: Do you think it's gotten better? Hmm. What do you mean?
1: Like the school or making friends,
0: <laughs> making friends in an art department at 19. Cause you were 19 when you went to college. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So you were 19 when you went to college. I feel like this is this is definitely pre-Facebook, maybe pre-MySpace?
1: It was um, the beginning of Facebook. MySpace had been around for like two or three years.
0: Okay, That's our big age gap right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like now it's a lot easier to just like find those 10 to 20 people that you would have enjoyed that you just didn't know 10 years yeah. ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so like I remember, yeah, Facebook was new and you had to have the college email to like get it. So I remember getting that college email and being so excited and then not knowing how to navigate Facebook, but there was like a group for the incoming freshmen and it was like meetup things and stuff like that. And they just never happened. Like you would go and there'd be no one there and you'd be like, okay, okay, cool. Oh cool." Boy. But you didn't live in the dorms at all. I lived in the dorms my first year. Which one? The one at state and like,
0: I want uh, to talk to you so many things about that place. Uh, when please. we're not recording, <laughs>
1: It was, uh, it was a bizarre little circus of like needy weirdos, yeah. um, uh, because of course it was, I mean, I remember there was this amazing, um, uh, just like, just, just to describe him, it was like this like lanky, beautiful black man. And he was always wearing women's clothing, but like not in like a cr- cross dress drag queen way, but just in like this, like, yeah, you're from a different era and you were a woman and. Uh, And he always had parties every day and every day, uh, he, I mean, his dorm room was like directly above me and you'd hear just like screams, and then like nothing. And then, you know, and, and then one day he took the, he took the screens out of his windows and, uh, he was on the 13th floor and he had a 40 and he, uh, Put his elbow back and he knocked it out the window and just cracked some girl walking into the dorm, just like right on the head. And she was not the same after that. She this was, is
0: um, for the listener at home that doesn't know exactly where this is. Everyone in the world probably that has heard of Chicago has heard of the Chicago Theater. This yep. is across the street. Mm-hmm. And right below the dorms, er, there used to be a giant borders.
1: Giant borders. And that was there when I moved in.
0: Yes. Um, and also, is that's where the entrance is next door is to the Gene Siskel Film Center.
1: Gene Siskel Film Center, and then around the corner is the Oriental Theater.
0: And then uh, Caddy Corner is Macy's?
1: Uh, no, that was one block down. One
0: block down, okay, I apologize. One block down
1: with Marshall Fields.
0: So you're living downtown Chicago. Oh, no,
1: like just populated streets constantly until 9 p.m. Everyone leaves, just the homeless guys.
0: And then the people that want to watch the nightly news that records next to the Gene Sisko Film Center.
1: How many people just stood outside of that thing and watched the news? Yes. It's not Good Morning America. You couldn't really hear what they were saying. No.
0: Um, oh, I... Were you there when a car drove into the studio? <laughs> no, but I heard about that.
1: Oh, I was so sad that I missed it, to be honest.
0: Okay, so you did the, like... I think somewhat mandatory live in the dorms first year thing. You go it to wasn't mandatory. You go to Wrigleyville, classic 1920 year, year old woman in Wrigleyville.
1: Well, yep. oh, we hit North Center for like a year, and that was okay. I mean, I, I
0: feel like I'm talking to my girlfriend right now. <laughs> this is almost the exact same path in terms of dorms. Oh um, I wouldn't say myself, but I was a complete leech under her, so I just moved where she moved. And then you did Pilsen.
1: And then I did Pelson,
0: And now you're in Avondale.
1: Well, I did Roscoe Village for two years. Of
0: course you did. That's right. I apologize.
1: I, yeah, I was that person that lived on the, like, one house on the block that hadn't been knocked down yet. And it was just, like, like, the landlords lived in New York and, like, didn't know who lived there. So, like, all the money went through me and it was just, like, a rotating cast of, like, disgusting male comedians. And, uh, Yeah. This is a good point.
0: This is a good time to bring up the stand-up. How did that start? Because you didn't go to school and you still don't even
1: want to be a full time stand-up. Wow, who would want to be a full time stand-up? I don't know, most people that do it. Oh God, I don't like here's my here's my issue with stand up and then I'll get into like why I started. My issue with stand up is that a lot of the times I walk into rooms like the Laugh Factory or like, you know, the Chuckle Barn and fucking Whoa, whoa, whoa no- stop,
0: stop, stop. Is that a real place?
1: No, okay. but there, I believe there is a chuckle hut somewhere in Indiana.
0: Okay,
1: I, I I'm like eighty percent certain. Um, or that could just be the Putterboss sisters, like ingrained in my brain. Yeah, uh, I think
0: that's what that is.
1: So, like, I walk into those places and I look at the audience, and it's always like, if I pass them on the street, I would be like, I don't want to get to know you, and I don't want to impress you. Like, I'm already better than you. I'm a more open-minded, well-rounded, like good person and you're a jerk living in champagne.
0: Okay, I have to take offense with that because number 1, some people that live in champagne aren't jerks.
1: A lot of people that live in champagne aren't jerks.
0: And number 2, why do you stand up at all then like period because you don't get to pick the crowd, really. You don't get
1: to pick the crowd. And that's um Another important reason that I love Chicago and I love the shows that I do. So I produce Chicago Underground Comedy, um, which is a space for alternative comedy and people doing kind of wackier, weirder stuff and audiences that expect that. And it's sort of like pushing stand-up performance a little bit farther. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in like doing some fucking road jokes about like, oh, aren't blowjobs crazy? Like, I don't, it's not, it's not fun. It's not like engaging for me so I could take it or leave it. You know, if you pay me, sure, but they're not going to like me.
0: So what did you actually get into standup?
1: <laughs> I got into standup. Um, I didn't stand up due to a bet, um, between me and my best friend. It was, two, it was about to be 2011 and it was new years. And I was like, all right, this is the year pussy. Like if you don't do it, I won't do it, but I'm going to do it. And he did it first. And he did it at the edge comedy club. That was at, like, Chicago and Was It was everywhere. Oh, sh- oh okay. That- by Dave Odd. How does this
0: guy keep coming up on the show? Every single stand-up has had a formative experience at a place where no one has ever gone by choice.
1: No, no one. Well, because it was, like, one of the only open mics. Okay. Oh, so that's when Coles was just starting and just becoming, like, a big thing. Okay. And so, uh, yeah. so one of the three friends that I made in college was um, Mateo Lane.
0: That is very helpful.
1: Yeah. So, well, he and I started, he started like two months before me and loved it and was like very big in the gay scene, obviously. But like that was the comfort zone. He didn't leave Boys Town.
0: Uh, really quick, for the listener at home, Matteo Lane is a man you might see occasionally on Comedy Central MTV along with fellow former Chicagoan Lisa Traeger. Um, Lisa is the woman. Matteo is the man with an operatic voice that speaks and sings Italian, but mostly Mariah Carey.
1: And I will say he has been doing that since the day I met him when I was 19. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah he, <laughs> and like, he was so fun. And, and he, uh, it was like his third show is, and he was like, we need someone to open. I'm opening up for Cameron Esposito. Um, what would, would you mind doing it? And I got, I drank like, s- three or four Long Island iced teas because of course a 25 year old would do that. And then, um, invited all my friends, basically blacked out for 12 minutes. I was supposed to do five. And afterwards Cameron came up and was like, that was great. You got to come to my open mic. And it was all downhill from that. Basically.
0: So you peaked at your first time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I peaked. For oh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean I've gotten better, but it's like I didn't. I didn't take the path that like Mateo did. Uh, but, by the way, like uh his name's Matt. But or like I met him as Matt. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um so it's always really like it still feels strange coming out of my mouth when I have to say Mateo. That's great. Um uh, that. but everyone else knows him like that. Uh and like he was just like made for it, you know? And for me it was like very not to be cliche, but like mildly therapeutic. I got that like part of me that needs to perform out of the way and then I could like focus on my job stuff.
0: Did it make the job stuff more fulfilling?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it still
0: make it more fulfilling?
1: Yeah. Because I get to incorporate a sense of humor into everything now. And I felt like I was very afraid to do that before. Like I still felt that like S A I C like rigid. Yeah.
0: Um is your current boyfriend a stand up? Is. Is that good or bad?
1: You know what? It's fantastic because he has the same attitude that I do. He'd rather be a writer for things. Like I would rather be a writer for things than a performer of things. Um, and it helps that I also think he's like enormously funny and I've, I've dated comedians who were not. And that we is talk
0: about that. Not recording.
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that. Not recording.
0: Um, what's interesting about couples that are both standups is what I want to know is, do you ever come to the same joke at the same time in the course of a conversation and then claim it?
1: No. Okay. no, no, no. So, I mean, uh, he does more of like a character act on stage. So he's kind of like this weird version of himself that has a lot of like Bible facts and stuff like that. It's great. And then I'm I'm more autobiographical, but I'm branching out and doing more, you know, like art stuff on stage. So no, we never really do. We do come to the same joke at the same time, but that's just make each other giggle.
0: That's nice. Yeah. The reason why I wanted to do this specific episode with you is because I heard you on Marty DeRosa's podcast, Wrestling with Depression, and mm-hmm. it's a very good episode. Oh, thank you and it's also one of those episodes where i wonder if the subject feels weird because now so many more people know so many intimate details about their lives that you probably would have never come up. And i know that you do talk about a lot of this stuff on stage, but there's mm-hmm. a big separation between seeing somebody for 10 minutes in a feature spot versus 60 minutes and there's no intentional jokes.
1: Right. Uh it never really bothered me. I mean like there i mean there's stuff i think that like some people don't believe that somebody like who is very outwardly like you know happy and joyous and like easy to get along with has any sort of like issues with anxiety depression eating disorders a storied past you know like I don't look like I don't look like anything's hurt me maybe the sun right now you can kind of get a little burned but like uh oh Jesus you
0: do burn don't you you just touched your skin and it like went from red to white oh my god
1: It's really bad. That's not healthy. Yeah, my co-producer made me go running, and uh, I'm never running again. So, (laughs) uh, no, but I like that, though, because that's more storytelling. It's more interesting to me than, like, observations, setups, and punchlines. It's, like, I mean, I've listened to that podcast for years and, like, was super honored that he had me on it, and so I was, like, kind of prepared to talk about weird stuff and i liked it
0: yeah um when you see other performers it's it's not so much in chicago but definitely where i am when you see other performers and they're just there's nothing honest about them does it bother you or do you just focus on your own stuff it does bother me um does it bother you absolutely i mean the first time we actually talked i think was on my show yeah um, cause I had seen a lot of your clips and I had just known you through people and a lot of people recommended you and I could instantly tell like, oh, this is a person I like. And
1: yeah, same
0: with you. Oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd say more than half the time, it's instantly like, this is not a person I'm ever going to enjoy their comedy and they're probably a very nice person. And mm-hmm. if we're in the same place, I will definitely say hello, but we're not going to bond on any level as yeah. where we're at right now in life.
1: Yeah. So I think there's like groups of like fuck boys in Chicago that like I I've come up with them. Like if we're at parties, we're getting along, we're trading beers, like, great. But the second they go on stage, I am going outside for a cigarette. I don't care. Like I genuinely don't care because like it's just it's things that they've seen before that they're trying to emulate. They're trying to be a Jessel or like a Louie. And they're just like, they don't have the pathos for it. And like,
0: but you're not trying to, nor am I, I'm not trying to do standup for a career. You're not trying to do standup for a career. So like, right. why, why let it bother you? Let them do the thing. Cause it's not even a thing you want. And also there's always enough room.
1: Yeah. There, there's absolutely all of that. And I, uh, as a logical human being, of course I have that. And it's like that live and let live crap that, you know, I swear by, but there's also that mean little art school girl that lives. She is in a critique all the time. You know, she's been there for eight hours and she's just getting fucking riled up. She already had two five hour energies and a coffee. And like, it's just ready to bite your throat out because like you should be, I just think everyone should be striving to be their most authentic self. And if you got into stand up because you thought you were funny, or somebody told you that it was because you weren't going on stage and telling fucking I don't know, like Tinder jokes. But how is
0: that different than your boyfriend? Your boyfriend isn't himself; he's creating a character.
1: Okay, so he, he's creating a character, but it is—it's um, what he thinks is funny, and it's what he likes seeing on stage and so in that way it's almost like an art piece it's almost like a performance of like you know a character um, it's not you know just some dude going up and reading tweets basically and that that stuff bothers me.
0: Is that why you're barely on Twitter?
1: <laughs> yeah well that and I don't understand it and it seems that nobody likes me on it so
0: <laughs> Maybe because all you do is make fun of people that are good on Twitter
1: Yeah pretty much. Tommy McMara, um, yeah, screw you <laughs> Um. (laughs) he once told me that uh i think we were out to lunch one day and i was like man i just don't get twitter and he goes baby baby twitter is where the men are made And i was like (laughs) get the fuck up (laughs) it made me laugh really hard but fuck him Oh, I love Tommy so much. I love Tommy so much, and he's going to be here this week.
0: Yeah, this is a blatant plug for Tommy McNamara's April twenty fourth show at the Improv Olympic, former IO or former, former Improv Olympics.
1: Former Improv Olympics, now IO, which I did the poster for. Oh, you did the unplugged poster. <laughs> it's so good. It's so he good. You were so excited. I was super excited when he asked me to do it. I love when people come at me with like ideas like that because, like for. Like my friends, it's like a hundred dollars, and I'll give you whatever you want, and it'll be super funny, and you can have it forever.
0: Tommy and I are big Smashing Pumpkins fans, and I ranked every single Smashing Pumpkin song and wrote about it. So I wrote, I think, over ten thousand words about the Smashing Pumpkins the other week. And...
1: Every single one?
0: Well, not okay. To be not not live versions. Clearly, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> so just. Just officially released songs. So it's something like two hundred and forty-eight songs I ranked. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's my job. Um I have an important job that changes the world. Point job point. is
1: amazing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty God, cool. I'm just
1: so lucky.
0: So here's the thing that I, I really wanted to know about hmm. you in Chicago. Is your relationship with that place toxic?
1: Mmm. Yeah, I would say so. Definitely.
0: Um, Do you care to remedy that in any way?
1: uh, I mean, probably, but like, it's like, how do I, I mean, I could remedy it by moving, but like, you can't move away from your problems. Like I will always find and become best friends with the liquor store guy down the street. And like, you know, like in every neighborhood that's, I don't know my neighbors. I know the liquor store guy.
0: Do you consider yourself an alcoholic and what liquor store do you go to?
1: Uh, I do consider myself an alcoholic, and I go to uh, JJ Peppers, and I also go to the Food Smart down the street because it's it's got pretty good like vegan bacon and stuff. <laughs> not I'm, not, I'm not, I swear to God, but it's like fun to walk in there and be like, "Oh, this stuff's fancy." I don't, do- I don't belong in here. Are you vegan? No, God, no, Jesus.
0: <laughs> you did not go to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago.
1: I did. I did. I dabbled in high school, but. You know, it's just not for me. I'd rather, I'd rather have every toxin.
0: I feel like that's the perfect line to end it. I'd rather <laughs> have every toxin.
1: Yeah, that's why I live in like a lead filled city. Um, uh,
0: you are a producer of Chuck, which is every single Tuesday at the Beat Kitchen.
1: That's correct. It's at, uh, doors are at nine. It's 9.30 and it's five bucks.
0: And you, yeah. you're it's a the- co-producer <laughs> of the monthly show.
1: Uh, the monthly show, Hoo-Ha. And then the monthly show, Beef.
0: Beef is the, um, the, uh, uh, the roastings.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> the, the roasting. beef. We have, like, games, so people play games. Like, you have to do it in the accent of, like, your uh, com- opponent's choice, which is, I mean, stupid. And it's just silly fun. It's a lot of inside baseball. We try not to be, but Where it is. is hoo-ha? And then there's hoo-ha. Hoo-ha is at uh, the White Room, which is a – Cool, like secret loft. Uh, it's at nineteen oh seven North Mendel, and that's I know exactly. It's right, but it's on the river. Oh, okay, like, cool! Big lofts. Next time, you, when are you coming next?
0: Uh, in, in May. I'll be there in May. Awesome. Okay. Sweet. Okay. And then, well, lofts, um, beef, beef. Is that at North Bar. How is that place? I, like, I've I've been there for shows. I've enjoyed it.
1: I've enjoyed it. I, there's just like this weird. Uh, like, group of people that think it's the greatest place. And I I don't get it. It's just, it's another bar to me. This like, the acoustics aren't anything. The drinks aren't great.
0: This is why I relate and like you so much. You're shooting your own self in the foot as you plug your own show.
1: Eh, I didn't make the decision to move there.
0: <laughs> All right, so people should not follow you on Twitter, but they should definitely go to your website.
1: Yeah, go to my website, MeredithKetchel dot com. I got all the stuff you can see, and then I'm <laughs>
0: also, uh, like, you know, Wait, is that the tagline? I've got all the stuff you can see.
1: I've, I've got. I just there's so much shit on there that like. <laughs> do you want to hear my old band? It's on there. Do you want to go see an animation I made when I was 23? Go, it's right there. Do you want to see a poster I made last week? It's there. That's it's my legacy.
0: If you would like more information about Meredith, go to MeredithKetchel.com, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, K-A-C-H-E-L.com. You can also just go to this show's page and click on the link there. And then you don't have to type anything in. You can see her tonight and most every Tuesday night at the Beat Kitchen for Chicago Underground Comedy and those other shows that we mentioned. My name is Brandon Weatherby. You could find me on Twitter at Sign Y-M-T-E. That stands for You, Me, Them, Everybody, The New, My Other Show. Follow us on Twitter, UbiEstMiaPod, because somebody else took UbiEstMia, I don't know why. And find us on Facebook, just put in UbiEstMia in the little search tab. Our songs, both of them, are by Daniel Knox, and our art is by Dmitry Samuro. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful night. I'll hunt the places that you can sleep in the friends and family I'll be